Thanks for tuning in to Sick of Being Sober. My name is Bran, and I am the host for this podcast. This podcast is sponsored by United Kingdom Straight Edge, and this song, Magnitudes, Opposition. Hope you enjoy the song and the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for tuning back into the show or tuning into the show for the first time. I madly appreciate you. I just finished recording with Daniel from Tooth and Claw, and that was the big surprise of who I was recording with tonight. But the episode did not turn out the way I wanted it to turn out, actually. Um, Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a bit, but... I haven't done an actual episode by myself in quite a while. I think the last few episodes of the show, actually the last three episodes of the show, um, have been interviews, which I am so grateful for all the people who have come on the show and shared their stories or their music. It has been fantastic, but I think this kerfuffle that I found myself in tonight really needed to happen to put some things under perspective. Like I said, I had originally recorded with Daniel from Tooth and Claw. Actually, I was supposed to record with Daniel and Scott from Tooth and Claw. And both are legends in the hardcore scene. I mean, Daniel with bands like Die Young and Tooth and Claw. And uh, Scott with Earth Crisis. I mean, fucking Earth Crisis. That, That would have been a great interview. Oh man. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of perseverating on it, but I think with stuff like this it needs to happen to put a lot of things into perspective and just kind of allow me to shift my focus back to what is important. And it is a bummer. It is a bummer actually. I am going to talk about it now. Uh I was recording with them and I had a bunch of feedback on my end and then when Scott came in the feedback was bad on his end um and I felt bad just because I you know look up to these people and I had these really big expectations I guess in my head of how this interview was going to go because they have formed this amazing super group and I had a lot of questions to talk about straight edge and just a sober lifestyle um, lined up and it did not end up being the way I wanted it to be. So rather than wallow in pity and shame and beat myself up over it, I thought that I could turn my energy into podcasting and talk about the emotion that is sitting in my gut right now. And I think it's important to do that in general, but I felt like I need to seize this opportunity to talk about things that happen in my everyday life, which this is one of them. If you are a longtime listener of the show, I have done an episode before this rendition of this podcast, which was called Obsession is the Death of Desire, which is a play on the hate breed album Satisfaction is the Death of Desire, which is a no to Muhammad Ali. Anyways, that's the sidebar. But I did an episode with a very similar title um, as this one, actually. Pretty much identical, except for one word. And I thought that 
this is fitting that more than or where I am, I guess, as a person in recovery is not so much about the obsession of alcohol and the obsession of drugs and the obsession of nicotine. It is the expectations and the unrealistic expectations that I set on myself every fucking day. These expectations don't serve me at all. And I know this, um, but on a daily basis, I wake up in the morning and I don't feel like P. Diddy. I put on this entire bag of expectations of how I see the day going. And if my day is not living up to that expectation in my bag, then my day just gets exponentially heavier, which is so incredibly strange because I'm waking up putting stuff on to weigh me down. And that stuff that I'm putting on that literally doesn't serve me gets even heavier because I have created this false ideal in my head of how life should be run. I've had this idea of expectations and have been putting this bag of expectations on every day since I was a little guy. And I don't think it's unique to me being a transracial adoptee. I don't think it's unique to me being an adoptee. I don't think it's a, a unique thing for people who are in recovery. I just think that people in general have expectations. I think what is unique for me is that I create fantasies and stories and narratives in my head and I try to convince myself of those things because I feel like if I can create a false sense of reality that somehow that false sense, even if it is completely untrue or somewhat untrue, that at least that is a safety net than the act of going through whatever it is. For my story and who I am, I have always sought to have a motherly figure um, or somebody who is blood related to me. Um, it's different now because I have a son. I don't want to put that on him at all, um, but I have a son. And so it's a little different to know that I have um, relation, a blood relation in this world. Uh, I have talked about this on other episodes where I feel disconnected because I am a transracial adoptee and I don't know who my parents are or I don't know any blood relatives. Um, but that has always been a thing in my life. And it's been really fucking hard to exist because for me, in my adoption story, I want so badly to be connected to somebody. Um, I always have told people that I don't feel connected to this world. I don't feel connected to you. I, you've been in love with me for eight years and I'm in love with you and I have been in love with you for a long time, but I don't feel like we're family. Like that's just super fucking weird and harsh to hear, I'm sure, on the receiving end of that. Um, but it's harsh to say it. And it's really unrealistic. It's weird. Um, but I've always struggled with that. I've always struggled with this concept of just feeling connected. And, I, and in my brain, in order to combat this sense of 
lost connection. I fabricated this idea in my head of who my birth mom is and who my biological family is. I created it in the times of uncertainty of trying of people asking me who my parents were, where I come from, um, do I speak English, all that really awesome racist shit that people say to transracial adoptees. Um, but it became like a defense mechanism. Uh, but in the back of my head, I was like, I gotta like formulate these stories because like I need to like create them um, so I don't have to like deal with this shit. And I did so. But it served me in a way that was more of just like the safety net, like this thing of like, okay, like, I really do wonder who my mom is. I wonder who my dad is. And so I created the story in my head um, that looking at it now is, it's unrealistic. I don't know who they are, but it's, it's crazy to think about. But this is how a person like me thinks. I created a the story of my mom, which is basically that she is, which some of this is true, is that she is a immigrant from the Philippines, true, and she came here to help feed her family back in the Philippines, true, but then she got knocked up by my biological father. I don't know if that's true. Um... And she was doing the best she could, and she realized that she was pregnant and ended up giving me up for adoption. I have no fucking idea. Um, You know, these stories also come up because when you're an adoptee, if you're not adopted and listening to this podcast, if you're an adoptee, um, they ask you these, you know, people ask you random ass questions about how you came into this world and how your parents were saints for adopting you and that the person who gave you up for adoption didn't know what they were missing out on. And um, especially if you're transracial adopted, you get a whole bunch of white savior bullshit. And um, so in my mind to combat with the racism and combat with the questions and, you know, trying to get ahead of the game, it's like, I just wanted to create a story of my mom that was in a light that is her being this hero and this, you know, this immigrant who who risked it all to come here and give her family a better life and then you know a real gone with the wind weird you know just like not like this weird american dream kind of stuff um which i think some of it is true because it's cultural but like it's just really weird but creating that idea in my head um I started really creating more stories about it. I started creating about how she's like this wholesome person and that, um, she was just, she was just 19. So she didn't know. And, um, you know, she, she doesn't have a family. She only just had me like all this weird stuff. Um, but I, but I think of that now and I, it sucks. And I, and there's nothing else, you know, more to say about that, but then it sucks because I refuse to see who is in my family and who's in my bloodline because if anything is less than this idea of who she is in my head, this, you know, immigrant woman from the Philippines who risked it all 
real Hollywood bullshit. If, if anything is less than that, that somehow that could crush me. And it's because I set these expectations and that expectation is what I want it to be, right? And when you start realizing that your expectations are kind of batshit crazy, you start kind of seeing the cracks and you start poking holes in it and you start throwing curveballs at these these thoughts. And a lot of the curveballs that I've gotten are like, well, what if she has a family? And uh, what if she just doesn't remember you? What if she um, doesn't like you because you have tattoos? What if she um, has a husband and she's never told anybody? And the thought of the reality of that, some of those could be true. Or, you know, even I guess here's another one is like, that she could be this really bad drug addict and um or be dead you know or uh, there's just like a new a nu- there's a plethora of things that she, that could happen in this scenario of where she could be um or you know if she is alive like yeah all those things sorry i'm just like kind of losing my train of thought but i it's like all these different things that I have no idea if they exist um, or if they're true. But having those holes, those weird, different combative thoughts is crushing. Because I would rather preserve this idea where she is good and wholesome. Does that make sense? Like, like I want her to be this good, wholesome person. Because if she's she's not, and now that I'm in recovery, like, the fact that she's a drug addict or an alcoholic, whatever, I don't give a shit. But I've kind of, like, coped with that piece. But then there's these other parts of, like, you know, what if it's not what I want it to be? Um, Will that break me? And I feel like being 32, I feel like it might. And that sucks to think about. But I think that there's this part of me that has just developed this brain, this like concept of her for so long that I just don't want it to be less than that. The part that is really difficult about all of that is that I am missing out on potentially meeting my mom or my dad or any relatives because I'm afraid that the expectations are going to fail me. Expectations are just these completely unrealistic versions of what we want life to be. And I think as a person in recovery and somebody who has now been in the program for a couple years or has been in sober for a couple years, um, that even in that that whole realm of recovery, I had these expectations um, of how my recovery was going to go. And the kinds of things that I thought were like, oh, like I'm going to get in recovery, and the expectation of getting in recovery is that like I'm not going to have any relapses, I'm not going to have any 
kinds of struggles with my mental health. I'm just going to like go through the, the thing and just, you know, be fine. And that definitely was not the truth at all. Um, luckily, I did not allow myself the way that I'm doing this to myself with my birth mother is I didn't allow my my first fuck up of getting off of meds and stopping the cigarettes, stopping the coffee, stopping the drinking, stopping the buying, stopping all of it, that that situation didn't just end me completely. Um, and I'm glad that that, like, me fucking up and then getting sober again, like, that whole situation of a really failed expectation in the recovery world didn't get to me the way that it did with my mom. Um, because I am so happy with the way that my life has turned out being sober and straight edge. Like I am so incredibly happy. Um, and I think working with a program like, or not even working with a program, but just being sober, like I have the opportunities to actively think about how my life is going to be if I don't have my mom in my life or if I don't meet any kind of relatives like I'm now thinking about it critically and even talking to you all about this right now um like I am having more courage to do so because you know I just am not numbing myself I'm not using to not feel um I'm actively just trying to feel these emotions and feel the roller coaster and see the unrealistic pieces to it. Um, and, and I'm so blessed with that, with recovery. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts of recovery is that like you get to see all those things. You get to see uh, the failures, like my first relapse. And then you see the, you know, the victories of getting sober and staying clean for you know, X amount of years, X amount of days, whatever it is for you. Um, and so like, yeah, I'm probably going to try and go back and figure that stuff out with my, with my family. But I think before recovery, I'd never would have touched that, but back to recovery and in the recovery realm of all of this, um, when I first started this podcast obsession and obsessing over, how to cope and how to figure it out um, was so huge for me, was gigantic. Like, you know, and I talk about this because that's what this pod, this original episode was about, was obsession and obsessing over, um, essentially obsessing over expectations, um, but just obsessing. And I've kind of lost that obsession of what can I do to fill the time or what can I do to fill the void and it really has gone into this idea of expectations and seeing myself in this light that is like noticing how small things like a failed interview or um, small hiccups in the day of how I think my day is going to go, um, how that is absolutely insane. Like it's insane to think that I shouldn't see my family because of some fucking movie that I'm playing in my head. Um, (laughs) That's fucking crazy. But the beauty 
that recovery has really like shown me is that I can see those small, I can see the big pictures. I can see the, the stuff with my mom. I can see the stuff with my relapse. I can see the stuff with interviews and I can now put it into perspective and be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's just me setting myself up. Like I have zero control over any of that. I have zero control over how today was going to go with Daniel and Scott, you know, like I, even if I fanboyed over it, like that would have been fine. Like I, I, that would, that I'm, I am scaring myself into a position of submission to fear and to, um, all of my vices and all of my character defects, whatever you want to call it. Like I'm allowing that to completely take over so that I, what can't feel or enjoy things or like actually have a good conversation with somebody. Like it's, it doesn't make sense, but it's the stuff that I think as a person who is clear minded and clear headed and all of it, whatever you want to call it. Like I'm, I, I can see that because I'm not constantly living in this fog. And I, I think that's what life before recovery was, was living in this fog and living in this, this area, which was always creating expectations and always creating these like false senses of reality. Um, and even if they got fucked up, like even if the ones that I, that I had that failed in my earlier relationships or, you know, like I think my mom, that's, that's a, another issue in itself and that has so much trauma and like there's a gigantic cut into my my flesh about that um but i think that just like the expectations that were failed when i was using were not as i guess like not as noticeable because i just was would just jump to the next thing or i do the next you know drug or do the next drink whatever it was just so i could just not feel but I think as you're recovering and as you start feeling more comfortable in your skin and you start really like going out there to figure your shit out especially if you're newly sober um, or quitting something or choosing a new coping mechanism like those expectations that you set up and those things can can really scare you into submission and really put you in a position where you just won't try it again. And like I said, I'm lucky that for my sobriety, I wasn't, I wasn't scared to not do it again. Like I, like I think it would be a lie to say that I wasn't scared completely because when I had originally stopped drinking, I had kept drink, I had stopped drinking, but I had kept smoking. And, um, even after I, even after I relapsed with alcohol on my 30th birthday, I still smoked after my 30th birthday. It was kind of like my replacement to all the other bad shit I was doing. Um, and it wasn't until after, I think it was October, October that I, that I, that I quit. I actually quit smoking and that's when I was like converting myself to straight straight edge straight edgeism straight edge um, because I was like I look I can't fucking do any of this because it's just going to make me insane and I'm killing my body um, I can't do this so I, I stopped but I 
I think since that time, since 2018, like I haven't thought more clearly and yet at the same time, like having these expectations and having the concept of expectations kind of pop up as even something to dive into um, didn't exist. Uh, I knew that expectations were, were shitty before for sure, but like I didn't understand the full extent of them, nor did I care whether or not if they would, you know, stunt me from actually growing as a person or finding people or, you know, whatever. Like I didn't think about the big picture, which in sobriety and recovery, like this is the big picture is the big picture is that like I am holding myself back 100%. And it's not necessarily any person it is not any person like i'm not saying i can't say necessarily like it is not any person who is holding me back it is 100 percent me holding the chains and i am the one who is just pulling myself down i'm not saying don't be disappointed i'm not saying you know when shit doesn't go the way you want it to go that you you know <laughs> sit there and be like, oh, fuck this. I can't believe this happened. Blah. And I mean, I did say that after this interview tonight, but I'm not saying you can't do any of that stuff. I'm saying that don't let that failed expectation or this pressure that you're putting on the world or situations bring you down to the gutter and bring you down to a position where you feel like you're less than anything else. Because I can tell you, about a fucking hour ago, I felt like I was less and it had nothing to do with me. Like literally I am not anchor. I am not Apple. I am not anything that, you know, really got fucked up tonight. Like I'm not any, any part of it at all. Like, but for some reason, my brain and the way that my traumatic brain works, um, is that everything I do and every expectation, every failed expectation that is not that that happens in my life is because of me. And that's such a strange place to be. And it's strange to think that like I'm, you know, even in this episode saying that like if my expectation of my birth mother is not what I want it to be, that it's gonna break me. I mean, it's it's weird. Like I think you know, you pick and choose your battles, you pick and choose your parts in recovery where you start, you start wrestling with. I think that that one is, again, is a really hard one to let go. But saying it and talking to you about all this stuff, like, yeah, it doesn't make sense because I'm holding myself back from happiness and I'm holding myself back from joy. And yet I do it and we do it as people who want to be better um and you know like i said like you pick and choose your battles but it's still weird to think that as people that we're trying to all be better for ourselves and better for others that we're still allowing these parts of our lives to have 100 percent rule or not even 100 percent like having like 85 to 95 percent rule in our life um <laughs> because we let that happen. What I'm saying with this episode is don't let 
your expectation of life or expectation of whatever it is on a day-to-day basis be the death of your desire and the death of you wanting to be better and wanting to be happier because it can t- get the best of you it can it really can it doesn't happen to all of us but it can get the better of you and that's when people relapse or when people start pulling out all these different types of vices in their life that maybe are not considered addictions but are being used in the same exact light in the same exact way that an addiction is being used to help you cope in summation will i air this episode about tooth and claw maybe i think going into this i definitely wasn't going to but after recording this like it's silly to think that everything is going to be perfect and it is silly to think that they wouldn't understand if I asked them to record it again I am placing too many expectations on this one specific situation for it to get me down and I see it it takes me a while to get to that point. I mean, it's not an easy venture to calm yourself down after you get riled up about something, but it's possible. And I just encourage you as the listener to explore that part of yourself and explore a version of you that takes on some of your challenges, takes on some of your ideas of reality and expectations and all these different things like I encourage you to go do that because if when you take it on and you start investigating how you work then you really can better yourself Today, I am just grateful to just be able to go back and look at these things and think and try to figure out what works for me and what doesn't work for me and realize that I am setting myself up for failure and that it's 100% me that's holding me back. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I madly appreciate you. I just grateful that you're listening. I hope you're doing well wherever you are and whenever you are. Have a good one.